Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the New Story Podcast with me, Rebecca Conran, your host, astrologer, wellness practitioner, energy practitioner. Um, you can check out my website, www.rebeccaconran.com for more on my sessions, my private sessions, and my coaching packages. Um, this is part two of On Healthy Relationships, uh, a little series that I'm doing that's in tandem with some of the shifts that are going on. Um, yesterday, I recorded part one, and I was talking about today, Saturn turning direct. Today is the 23rd of October. Saturn is turning direct, and it's all about kind of, you know, dealing with emergencies and misadventure and turning it into something that can be um, a, a, a learning experience, a thing of beauty where we are intrinsically grown after we've experienced it. Um, and uh, I've definitely felt over the last couple of days an energy shift. My chart is ruled by Saturn. Um, and I've really felt an energy shift in terms of realignment of goals and, um, you know, with this Scorpio season and I didn't really touch on it that much yesterday, but you know, Monday we enter Monday, the 24th of October, we're going to have Venus entering Scorpio then Sunday, the 30th, we've got Mercury entering Scorpio and smashed in between on the, uh, <clears throat> Is it the 25th? Hang on one sec. We have a solar eclipse, new moon, um, in Scorpio. Let's see. This is how organized I am. Yep, the 25th of October. We've got the solar eclipse, new moon in Scorpio. And what does that tell us, you know, sandwiched right, you know, on the same day as um, Mars is going retrograde? We've got Mercury entering Scorpio. So, so one, one of the main um, intentions, I think, for this period that we're going through is to get, is to go deep, is to go deep, to go deep into our psychological motivations. What is running the show at the bottom of our ocean? You know, um, what are those <clears throat> kind of ugly things we don't want to deal with? or we've been in denial of, or we've been avoiding, um, that we really need to look at. And one of the ways that these things really rear their head is through relationship, because when we have a hard time, and this is, this is just across the board, we have a hard time looking within, okay? It's really hard to have like an objective uh, opinion of oneself when you're in your body, thinking your thoughts, think, living your behaviors. So oftentimes we have to have that mirror of relationship, friendship, family, romance, whatever it may be, to actually see the man or woman or being behind the behind the the mask that we may have gotten very comfortable in that we even believe is us. So relationships really help us to break down those barriers and see exactly what is going on. Last night, man, I was, I was like kind of tossing and turning last night. Cause I was just like, oh my God, there's just so much I want to say on the subject of relationships. And I was feeling like, I was like, did I say, I, I know I recorded for an hour yesterday. Did I, did I cover the bases? And 
the fact of the matter is, is that um, this is a this is a subject that we could spend hours and hours and hours discussing. And for each person, if they're struggling with unhealthy relationships, there isn't going to be like a one size fits all thing. I'm going to say that's going to be like, oh, I'm fixed now. And and that's something that we talked about yesterday too. In the in part one, is that um, it's less about sure, I'm sharing this information. This information is going to go in there somewhere, but where it's really going to do some good is when you actually are experiencing your life and you kind of pull up from your experience by living, by living your experience, what we're really talking about here, how it really applies to you. So what I do is I work with my clients, you know, over six to six month period, one year period, and, um, typically biweekly. So every two weeks and we kind of work through their unique, um, uh, relationship kind of, uh, agenda, motivations, behaviors. And we look at it based on their personal experiences of their childhood and their connection with caretakers, their wants and desires now. Um, so I, I, I can't speak more highly. And this is for me personally too of the need to work one-on-one with people to unfold some of this stuff, whether it's therapy or, um, coaches or whatever it is, you know, work with someone who did that work too, who really understands what it's like to be in your position. And, um, I think a big piece of advice I could also drop in here too. We're going to talk about a lot of other shit today, but is really, um, to make peace with being where you are and surrender to it and don't resist it and don't see it as a punishment. People are not, um, unattached because they're not worthy or because they're not lovable. There, there are plenty, there's plenty of fish in the sea. There are plenty of connections for everybody. If you're unattached, it is because you haven't connected with what you really want. Um, there are always options. Um, there's always a way that we could sacrifice our real desires to just have a person and have an attachment. Um, so if we can look at where we are, not as a punishment or some kind of, um, like, uh, oh, I'm not good enough and that's why I don't have what I want. It's just not the case. It's just not the case. It's timing and it's being who, it's being the person that um, you want to date. And sometimes that is hard to wrap our heads around. Uh, One of the main things I had to wrap my head around when I was kind of coming to terms with like how codependency and unhealthy attachments manifest in my life was that I was actually the non-committal one, even though I experienced relationships as like a clinging and neediness, like just wanting so much to be close to somebody. Um, it was actually me that was the commitment phobe. And that's why all my partners reflected that back to me. And it's easy for me to see in retrospect 
why I was a commitment phobe. I mean, I saw my mom trapped in an abusive situation uh, with a partner who was never there. And, uh, and when he was there, he was, he was abusive. And so I saw my mom with no, no freedom, it seemed like, you know, just kind of entrapped in her situation and just severely depressed because of it. And so those messages definitely made a difference on me in terms of somewhere in my subconscious, I decided that that was never going to be me. And so I kept, um, like my relationships were non-committal because a part of me at that time just could not handle the depth of intimacy and how painful it would be when I finally did, um, have somebody or even a series of people, friends, whatever in my life who, who actually saw me, who actually were present to me, listened to me, understood me. And that kind of intimacy, um, is, is actually very painful when you, uh, when you haven't experienced it before. It's very disconcerting. So I think that what's going on underneath for all of us is quite surprising. (laughs) It's quite surprising. You'll be quite surprised at, um, if, if you are, if there's a goal you have and you're not quite reaching it, I think that those, the reasons why will really surprise and shock you. And there'll be these subtle belief systems and subtle ways of valuing oneself that really stand in the way. So yesterday we talked about unhealthy relationships for some, to some degree and, and, how, and what they look like and, and where they're coming from. And obviously there's so much more information than I gave yesterday. Um, this is just sort of my musings on it. And this is definitely not some kind of a how to follow everything I'm saying. You're, you know, um, these are just my opinions and musings and maybe there's a, a gem in there for you. And maybe some of this stuff doesn't apply to you. Um, uh, I just remembered something I want to talk to you about. So I'm going to write a little note. Okay. So today, um, we are going to talk about healthy relationships and this is a great time for that with all this Scorpio, you know, Venus and Scorpio, Venus is how we love and need to be loved our values. And right now we are really valuing going deep with people, revealing ourselves, you know, um, like being passionate, being in some ways, just allowing the intensity to come forward, allowing, um, the, the vulnerability to have a place at the table of our relationships. Um, again, you know, I, I worked very closely with, um, my practitioner, um, Abdi Asadi for many years on, um, relationships and working through, um, my own fears. And it took me, it probably took me about six years to really unfold it. But then again, I'm very hard headed. So maybe that was part of it was, uh, when I was younger, I had a lot of hard headedness that I needed to, I need to open up my mind. Um, but getting advice from professionals is very important 
when you're trying to undo relationship dynamics. And why is that important? Because you need someone who has uh, objectivity and also who understands ethics. So one of the reasons why we work with people who are like certified in some way, um, like, you know, I had to go through a program for a year to become a coach and to learn how to communicate with people. And there are much longer programs too. And um, a lot of that information that's shared too is around ethics and um, what you can and can't do. And in some ways, I think like traditional therapy is obviously very helpful. Um, I think that there are some negative aspects to traditional therapy. I think the attachment to the therapist over, uh, you know, over a prolonged time can be healthy up until a point. And then I think people need to be able to feel free to not be attached to their therapist. But I think that the programs that create therapists are extremely important because of the ideas of ethics behind it, right? Of like doing no harm to a person. Um, so when you get advice from your friends and family, that's great, right? Like people who love you, that's cool. Like, of course, sometimes you need advice and you are going to talk to them. Um, but people are going to give you advice based on their relationship experience and not necessarily through an objective lens of like, I have an ethical uh, responsibility not to project my own experience into this, but to, um, experience this person's, what they're going through and help them based on their lives. And so a lot of times when, with our friends and family, they, they give us advice based on their, like their wants and desires for us. So one of the rules that I have, uh, when getting advice from friends is, um, I take into account their age (laughs) And that's not, I don't want to be ageist and say, well, young people can't give advice. Of course they can. But for me, um, the issues that I may be having uh, at at this period in my life and the period of middle age of my partner's life, I'm going to talk to someone who's probably middle to late age um, to get some uh, perspective on that. Right? Because I think when you're in your middle age, like we are, like we need to... um, it's a different stage of life. And so you kind of do need people who understand where that is. And I also get advice from people who I think have, um, an open dialogue about their relationship and they have been in a relationship for a minute. Um, some of my friends who've been married and I know they've had up and downs because we've communicated about it. So there's not just like a veneer of like, everything's fine. And then they're giving advice. So One of the most important things if you're struggling in your relationship is to get support. Um, My partner and I go to counseling sometimes because it's nice to have another voice in the room. And for me, it's nice to have another agreeing voice. (laughs) No, just joking. (laughs) My poor partner. Um, But yeah, it's nice to have another voice in the room who is listening to both people and kind of bridging the gap of like where you feel unheard and unseen. And I think if my partner didn't, wasn't open to something like that, I don't know that our relationship would work given that I'm a, you know, have such a deep need to dive within myself. That's something very, very paramount and important in my life. And so 
um, that's important for me in terms of a partner too. And, you know, um, that's just a normal thing. It's just a normal thing to get advice and make sure that advice is coming from an objective and like, um, ethical place. Okay. So this is really a time this week to set some new intentions with the new moon solar eclipse. We might see some of our wounds being opened up pretty intensely, um, as, as part of us needing to set some new intentions and have a new emotional beginning in some way in order to, uh, start fresh. Sometimes you really need to push through the old. So it could be an emotional time, um, with Jupiter, uh, moving back into Pisces too. I think it is a more compassionate time, which is something that our society desperately needs right now. Um, but this period that we're in is all about kind of checking in with the deeper motivations that we have within. Um, and so, you know, sink into that. Again, there was the note from yesterday around the Mars retrograde that life is going to be brought to some sort of suspension in some area for you so that the larger magic may be manifest. And this is good. We want to experience this. We want to experience this so that we're in alignment, you know, and if we're not experiencing it and we're just pushing, 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 we're going to miss the magic. So like if we can agree with ourselves to slow down, you know, to, um, be, be in our conscious choice at this time, we're going to get a lot out of this moment. And again, Mars is going to be retrograde all the way till January. So this is a period that, um, it's a prolonged period of, um, taking our time. Okay. So we talked about where unhealthy relationships come in and a little bit about where they come from. And, um, let's talk a little bit about healthy relationships. So years when Mars and Venus are going retrograde, they're always times to realign our vision with our relationships. You know, we're considering how we love, how we want to be loved, how that manifests through the people that we're dating in our sexual relationships. And, um, you know, ultimately there's a lot of questions I got around, well, how do you know if like your partner and you are going to see the same vision? Um, how do you know if they'll be able to understand your experiences or how can you deal with it when they're overwhelmed by your wounds or how can you deal with being vulnerable and being with your partner and them being vulnerable? Well, the easy answer is do work on yourself. That this is the most important quality that someone can have is an, a sense of self-responsibility. And I'm talking about your partner, right? So obviously you're listening to this. You have a sense of self, of self-responsibility. You're looking deep, whatever level of that you're at and un, unfurling yourself. You want to find a partner who is doing that work. And that can seem, it can seem difficult because I think people have a lot of judgments around how that work is done, but I think a lot of men will, well, in my case, men, um, I don't want to just like gender things, but like, um, 
in terms of like how society functions, I think a lot more women are open to, uh, and those who, um, um, would align with feminine energy. I think that there's a lot more openness to, or perceived openness to self-responsibility, spirituality, things like that. But the masculine males, the masculine energy, the masculine force that may, uh, be prominent in a person, they also do spiritual work in their own way too. So I wouldn't, um, it may look a little bit different. Um, my partner certainly, there is crossover with us of how we manifest our spirituality. Um, if I tell him like, Hey, go clear yourself energetically. He knows how to do that for himself. Um, but in a, in general, his spirituality seems to manifest a lot more practically. It's very much around physical, um, care and, uh, food and physical care of his body and things like that. So, whereas for me, it may be more communication based and, um, you know, I'm like reading the books and things like that, but that doesn't mean that he's not getting that information in too. So I think one of the most important parts of partnership is that you have, um, things in common, like you share the same respect for, um, for one another. And some of the qualities are of healthy relationships are, communication, time for personal interests, active listening, healthy boundaries, taking personal responsibility for behaviors, um, uh, creating a safe space for one another to be vulnerable, engaging and responding to one another, self-esteem, and being open and approachable with one another. And I think you know pretty early on if that is the type of person that you're dating. I think that when you're really hungry for love, it's really impossible to see your partner clearly. And that's why it's never a good thing to get into a relationship when you're looking and when you're starving for kind of love and affection. And that is unfortunately really a window into giving that love and affection to yourself. And the reason is, is that people are not who they really are when they first get into relationships, typically. You know, I think if you meet someone who's older, they've been around the block a lot, you're more likely to meet, um, their like more regular self, you know, they're, they're maybe not as shy about their, um, failings or their, uh, vulnerabilities. And they're willing to kind of just be like, Hey, this is who I am. But I think for most of us, um, there, there is a facade that we have, we're putting our best foot forward and you don't really know who you're dating until crisis hits. And those are facts. So in the dating process, as amazing as your sex might be, as amazing as your conversation might be until you've seen how that person functions in life in crisis or in crisis with one another, you are living in an idealized state. And those that's reality. And I think many of us have experienced that over and over again, the fantasy state, the idealized state, AKA the honeymoon period. Um, 
And, um, this is a period where everybody's just on their best behavior. You know, they, they want to be liked, they want to be loved. And so they're like putting their best foot forward. But guess what? All humans are annoying. All humans are fucking have issues, right? We're irritating. We get on each other's nerves. We're like, we're self-focused sometimes. And that means that we steamroll our partner in some way. There has to be these moments of compromise. No one is doing everything just perfectly. And so that creates conflict and how people deal with conflict is really when you see the true person underneath. And that's why you might have these relationships where they seem really good. Everything's going great. Boom, a conflict hits and your partner or something, uh, important needs to be said. There's like an important, um, like, decision being made of whether you're going to be together or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you see the true reveal of your partner. And I think it's important to not to realize like, I mean, no judgment in this, right? Like people are lovable and worthy of relationship in their imperfect state for sure. And we have to understand that Um, the fantasy, the person that we think we're dating is in the beginning is, is yet to be revealed. We really don't know the person. It takes a long time to get to know somebody deeply and that's okay. We shouldn't be in a rush. You know, um, dating is really deciding if you want to be with somebody, it doesn't mean that that person is going to be your forever person. It's really, a process of courtship, of, of understanding that person, of seeing if your values align, your beliefs, your lifestyles. And again, people can be really lovely and still not be the right fit for us. So um, within this realm, it's so important to understand that those relationships that start hot and heavy, they typically will uh, <laughs> burn out because the individuals engaging in the relationship are too often looking at one another to solve one another's problems and to heal a wound instead of coming to the table as uh, individuals who are reliant upon themselves. And that's the most important aspect of a healthy relationship is to be your own person and to know that you have your own back no matter what. Before I met my partner, I uh, was in such an amazing space. I almost missed this space for myself, you guys, because it was like, it was so freeing and so wonderful. Um, I was in this space and I had been really... um, pretty much single, not single. I mean, I dated a lot of people. I mean, come on, I'm Rebecca Conran. I definitely had my lovers and shit, but I, my relationships, I didn't want to commit to anybody that I had met at that time. I was still working on things and I knew that deep down that I wasn't like ready to sort of be the person who was committed to one person. And so, um, I actually got to this place though, where I was like, you know, I feel like I could just be the person I am right now on my own, very fulfilling, creative, spiritual work life, fulfilling friendships, 
Um, and I was like, I think I could just be this for the rest of my life on my own. This feels amazing, <laughs> right? I'm like so happy to just be on my own. I'm dancing every night. I'm just like just a fully embodied just woman for myself. And um and then like probably like 6 weeks after I made that comment to myself and I remember writing it in my journal and being like I could I could die alone. This is like cool. Like I really like this, you know. I'd be driving in my car like through the woods upstate and being like this is so fucking cool. I love my own company. And then I met my partner. And I love my partner. I'm so glad that we're together and he's he's great. But no matter what, I know I'm going to be okay even if we're not together. You know, and that sensation that I have of being with myself and being okay on my own, it still lingers with me. And it's incredibly freeing because relationships are work. They are work to some degree. You, you can't just think about yourself. You know, you do make certain sacrifices um, for the, the, the team, you know, in terms of like, you just can't go around barreling and just doing whatever you want. You know, you do have to kind of think of like how things, um, affect a different person and how to communicate with a person who's different from you. Um, but I think that the main shift that I felt in myself when I came into the relationship from that place was, I didn't have any fear with my partner. I, I never once felt afraid that they would leave me or abandon me or neglect me or why weren't they calling me? I'd never had that sensation. And there was a lot of trust and a lot of just, um, it just was not stressful at all, uh, to get into this relationship. And, I think that that's such a difference. And that is what I'm talking about when I say you'll feel the difference of learning and wisdom and not necessarily it won't be that you absorbed it just through your mind and you're like, okay, that's how I'm going to do things. You will just find yourself in experience doing things differently. And I had to say no to a lot of stuff before meeting my partner too. You know, I had to really claim that space of being with myself and saying no to relationships that just had dynamics where they just fell off. So one of the things that was really important in my, um, in my even just being able to get into a relationship with my partner was that I wasn't hungry for love, you know, because I felt filled up with myself. I was, I had surrendered to like, this is not only is this good enough, this is more than amazing to be with oneself, to be free in oneself and to just have the autonomy to, um, like love oneself. I felt very filled up by that. And, um, and it enabled me in my relationship to not rush ahead, to be open to it not being the right fit. You know, I was very much like either way, you know, in the beginning. And um, I there wasn't that component of, oh, my God, I'm going to die without this person. And I got to tell you, if that feels good. 
like it feels good to not be in that kind of crisis drama because when you're in that kind of crisis drama at some point the shoe is gonna fucking fall you know you're gonna become exhausted by living in that kind of like an addictive environment I know I did um One of the things that my practitioner used to tell me that I needed to get clear with in a healthy relationship was my ability to sit with my anxiety and being bored, you know, because healthy romances don't have the same kind of energy that unhealthy ones do. They don't have that constant tension when you um, really listen to one another and you're really a team with one another. And again, this is not to knock people who are not in a team relationship. You can definitely grow your relationship. That's for sure. People can evolve in the same ways and you can help your relationship to be better. Um, But I also think both partners need to have that as like not just an idea, but be able to actually activate those behaviors. Um, And I've found that the best advice in my relationship has been very, very practical. It's almost like simple, um, the ways that healthy relationships work. But again, if you find that you're doing all of these things and your partner isn't, then you really want to look at your own sense of feeling worthy enough um, and feeling like connected to commitment um, because it really is a two-way street for the relationship to thrive. So let's just talk about some of the practical um, advice for healthy relationships. One thing that I learned, um, I learned this during the pandemic. I definitely talked about it um, during the George Floyd um, protests. Um, my dad was helping me with something at my store that I had in Mountaindale Yin. And, um, he was telling me he had felt really triggered by the whole situation because he's, He's an Indian man, he's very dark-skinned, and he was kind of like just seeing the racism um, and the abuse and the violence like, you know, through those videos and stuff like that of George Floyd and, you know, and then through everything that happened after that, he, he was just, he felt, and he's not a very communicative person in this way about his feelings and stuff, but he <clears throat> was telling me about um, some of the abuses that he had experienced and the violence that he had experienced. And as he was telling me about it, sorry, a little frog in my throat this morning, I became so aware of the bullying that my dad had experienced. And I'm using that term lightly, really, because it's really an abuse that he's experienced. But this abuse, that he, this bullying, this um, judgment and shaming that he had experienced, um, I realized that the way that he treated me when I was a child was really a perpetuation of that behavior that he had experienced. So he, he had been the victim and someone else had been the perpetrator. And then he had internalized that and he had become the perpetrator. And in some of those experiences, then I was the victim. And what I realized from this experience was that it wasn't personal. (laughs) Obviously, it's personal between a father and a daughter, but the intention was not personal. My dad um, wasn't like 
you know what, that little girl, Rebecca, I'm going to bully her. It was an, it was a function of his personality and his behavior. Um, that was like a repeat pattern for him. And, um, there was something very freeing for me in that moment when I realized it wasn't personal. And I've, I've definitely talked about this before on, on the podcast. And so in relation to relationships, sometimes our, our partners can say and do things and it feels so personal. It feels like they're really, they're doing it to us. And maybe it's triggering something in us that is very, very painful. Um, one argument I had with my partner, he just clammed right up. He was silent. He stopped like talking to me and he, um, he was like stonewalling me for a while days. And I, um, was like, I was livid. I was so hurt. It really triggered all this, like being shamed from when I was a Jehovah's witness, when I was little being publicly shamed. And, um, you know, it felt so personal to me because I was triggered by the neglect and the being ignored. Like that was very, very triggering for me, even though my partner, he was clamming up because he he, it was painful for him to communicate. Um, but the healthy thing between me and my partner is I was a, I sent him a little article. I didn't even have to say anything. I just sent him an article about how stonewalling and silent treatment is like an, an emotional manipulation. And he immediately, <laughs> and he immediately, uh, messaged me back. He read it and he messaged me back and he, started to communicate. And, um, the thing that works about our relationship is that we are working together in terms of, we realize that our triggering is our own. And instead of taking it personally, when our partners are having a hard time or how they're reacting or whatever, we both try to, to also see the other person's point of view. And, um, and I think this is one of the foundations for healthy conflict and healthy resolution is when you can really, um, you know, see one another with an open mind and an open heart and not realize that this person is not your enemy, you know, uh, and that the love you just felt five minutes ago is, is not like absent, you know, um, hi. My cat is here. He's decided to rub up against the microphone. Get down. So yeah, I think in healthy relationships, you have to learn that everything is not personal, you know, um, and sometimes things are not going to align where our partner can meet our needs, you know, because they have to meet their own needs. And ultimately, it's not a personal attack when our partners need to focus on themselves. We need to have the strength and the uh, dependence on ourself uh, to meet our own needs and show up for ourselves. And if you find yourself being thrown back, get down, get down. If you find yourself being thrown back upon yourself, um, that's really the lesson for you is to... Um, is to own that, you know, and be there for yourself. And maybe there are ways where you may be inappropriately seeing your partner as a caretaker, um, 
in a role of one of your caretakers in an effort to heal that rather than your teammate and your equal. Um, as I mentioned yesterday, the study of relationships scientifically shows that all people annoy one another and all people have frustrations and issues to work out. There's no perfect person who's perfect at dating and marriage. And whether a relationship works or not really depends on the willingness of both partners to show up for the relationship and to try to understand what the other is saying, feeling, and, and being conscious of that. It's not to fix the other person. It's not to heal them. It's just to show up and witness with an open heart. And I found that very interesting that the, that healthy relationships, um, people that have longevity, it's not because they're better he people. It's because they are, um, better teammates. Um, and so that is a key component of partnership. What is your teammate like? Um, and I think that for a lot of us, our fantasies kind of take over. We, we tend to be like, well, this person has all these great qualities and I'm, and they do you know, um, but we have to be willing to take people where they're at. And it's not a judgment of that person. We don't have to be like, this person isn't great because they're not ready for A, B, and C. Um, that's where they are. And we need to accept people where they are and love them where they are, but also love them enough to know where they aren't, (laughs) you know, and, and us too. And so, um, like people aren't jerks because they're not, like showing up in the way that we want them to, that is where they are in their learning. And it's not personal. It's their life and they can do with their life what they want. And when they're open psychologically to go through the difficulties of real intimacy, then they will be. And I don't think it's helpful to be unkind or judgmental or call those people assholes because it is fucking painful to be truly intimate with someone and show your vulnerability And so I think so much of our lives needs to be not trying to push people to be where they're not, really accepting people where they are and having compassion for people where they are and having the self-esteem to know that there are more fish in the sea. There are so many fish in the sea. Um, I really remember being like, there's no good men out there. Oh, there's no good men. And really like, that perspective was holding me back so badly, you know, and, and I would say that even while I knew, um, I had great male friends, you know, and I knew really good men and it wasn't that they weren't available to me. It was that I wasn't actually available to them at that time. And when I opened myself up to that availability of being the woman that I truly deserved to be, Um, I was able to be in a partnership with someone who was a true teammate. Some of the other qualities that you need um, in a healthy relationship is, you know, in my opinion, if you don't have a similar goal for your life, love just isn't going to be enough to keep you together. Partnership is about teamwork. It's about um, reaching for... (laughs) like a similar vision in some ways, even if you're like reaching together side by side, you're looking in the same direction. My partner and I have similar goals. You know, we have, we share a similar, uh, goal around children and 
marriage and things like that. You know, lucky for me, my partner's been married twice and already has a child because those are things that I'm not interested in. And subsequently, he's not really either, even though uh, we both want to uh, serve and create, and we both agree that one day we'd like to foster or adopt children if we feels our, feel our lives are a good fit for it. Um, but because our goals and ideals align, we can look to the future together and build what's necessary in the present. And I think this is a key element of um, when relationships work. You know, we definitely have our fair share of issues. We both annoy and frustrate one another. But because our common goals are similar, uh, our relationship is part of the prize of our life. And that is also about where we both are in our lives. You know, we met each other when we were older. So we um, have a similar, we've already had a lot of life experience and we have a similar outlook on what we really deem as something that we want to experience in our life. So for your relationship to be healthy, um, what are your common goals? You know, what does a fulfill, fulfilled life look like to both of you? And again, it's my opinion that you should really listen when someone tells you who they are without the idea that maybe they'll change their mind. If someone doesn't want to have children, doesn't want to get married, doesn't want to cohabitate, doesn't want to live in this place or that place, listen to them. It's not personal. It doesn't mean that they don't love you, but a relationship can't fully thrive unless you really see one another for what one another's true goals are. You listen, you show up without trying to change a person, you accept them. And, um, you know, it, a relationship can fully thrive if you have some common goals, you know, and for my partner and I also common goals mean our daily goals. You know, we eat in a similar way. We both care about clean foods and, um, taking care of our bodies and our homes and our pets and plants and our environment and our community. You know, we both have a similar desire to serve. So, that means that our, in general, although our personalities couldn't be further apart, <laughs> he's 100% my opposite um, in that way, but our common values and beliefs are similar, and that helps us to be really good friends. Um, you know, uh, we, I think our best quality is probably our friendship. And I think if your partner isn't someone you consider a close friend, um, that's probably not your partner, you know, because sex goes through phases, sex goes through up and downs, um, how attractive we feel goes through up and downs, our weight goes up and down, our, uh, we get older, whatever, like a lot of those kind of like Think, being cute things that keep that attract us to our partner initially it does fade it can fade rather quickly even when life just kicks in and we're just busy do it with our lives um, but friendship really sticks through it and I think you know for me I've been lucky enough to I think working on friendships was really the first place I worked on codependency and just cultivating really good friendships. And I definitely used to have codependent friendships and unhealthy friendships. Um, and lucky for me, I have some just really loving people in my life that I've been friends with for 
10, 20 years now. And uh, a lot of them share my same um, goals too and the way I work through things in life. And um, I think that the friendship element, it, it's really true. Like, And it's not like your partner doesn't have to be everything to you. You know, they don't have to be your only friend, but they should be an extremely close friend of yours. Um, so, uh, I think I've been talking for like an hour now. Friends, I'm going to try to just kind of move through this a little bit faster, um, because I don't want to bore y'all, but anyway, so as someone who struggled in codependent relationships for my entire life, having my own life, having my relationships with friends, creative outlets, and even my own home has remained a constant, even though I'm in a committed monogamous relationship. So I'm my own autonomous per person, and so is my partner. And this means that we're self-reliant and our relationship is an extension of our personal wholeness. He's not my missing piece and I'm not his. And that really is a freeing experience in relationship. And it really means that like every, all the, all the, um, eggs are not in the basket when we have conflict, you know, we actually can take the time to have space. We can respect one another's boundaries. We can, um, be fully immersed in our own lives when necessary and uh, we have the time and energy to kind of come back together then after everything is not so heightened and intense because there's not all this pressure put on the other person uh, to be everything that the other needs. You know, like there's my housing situation isn't going to fall apart. My money situation isn't going to fall apart. My connection situation any of those things are, they're actually solid in my life. So without my partner, I still have a full life and my life is, is still, um, I'm still taken care of. And I feel like when you take that pressure out of a relationship too, um, you get to just really enjoy one another and your relationship gets to be healthier because again, we're not recreating those kind of, uh, ideas around healing childhood wounds with our parents. We're not making our partner our parent. Um, they can really just be our friend and our teammate. Some of the other keys to healthy relationships are being able to have a partner and um, who pays attention to you in a way that they're willing to focus directly in your, in your, uh, uh, focus directly on you. You know, they need to uh, listen as much as communicate, uh, when your partner wants to show you something or spend time with you, you know, if you always turn your attention to something else then your relationship is going to suffer, um, making sure to communicate with one another and really see how the other is reaching out for connection and paying attention to that and being available for that. And that doesn't have to be a big thing. It's, it's the little things really, it's the small reassurances or, you know, good night or hello, good morning, whatever it is. Part of healthy relationship is being responsive and available when your partner reaches out to you in whatever way, whether they're like, hey, look at this thing I read today or did you, 
read, I read this article, will you read this too? Or, um, you know, any kind of like reach out for connection. The other partner needs to be willing to, you know, grasp that as well. And obviously timing makes it so that we, we can't always be available to pay attention to our partners. But I think the ability to really look in your partner's direction and see how they're reaching out for connection or for your partner to see how you're reaching out for connection and to really um, um, make that connection is a real uh, important part of, of um, relationships because this really is uh, also an, the broader conversation of communication. Of course, communication is so important in relationships, but people communicate in different ways too. And um, sometimes um, we have to listen to what is said between the words too. Um, there are ways that someone is trying to communicate with us in facial expressions, silences, behavioral cues. And some people do struggle with verbal communication for various reasons. They may find it hard to express vocally. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not communicating with us. And when we pay attention to our partner and we really see them and how they're communicating with the world and we give them that, that, uh, focus and we really turn our attention towards them when there's a reach out for it. Um, we get to share in a different way of communicating that may benefit us. You know, I'm really good at pretty good at vocal communication. At least I, I strive for it. Um, my partner is more action oriented than vocal, but I learn a lot from that. I learn a lot from sometimes less is more vocally. And for him, sometimes more is more, you know? So, um, you know, I think like paying attention to your partner, it might seem like, oh, of course, pay attention to your partner. But how many times are you just scrolling on your phone or watching TV or doing something else instead of like actually connecting with your partner and actually uh, listening to your partner and sharing with your partner? And it's something that seems so simple, um, but it's often overlooked. And so we can be living together, but living separate lives. And, and that's an incredibly lonely place to be. Okay. There's just a few more things I want to talk about, about healthy relationships. Um, my cat really wants to play. So if you hear a bunch of crunching behind me and everything, it's him rolling his ball around. Um, okay. So, um, what do I want to say about healthy relationships? I mean, I think that there's, there's so many qualities, but I think the basics are really that you share a similar outlook on your belief system and your values. There are certain things that you can't compromise on. You can compromise on behaviors. You can compromise on taste, uh, likes and dislikes, but you can't compromise on your values and your goals. These are intrinsic parts of our lives that, um, they're so important to be living in a, if you're living with someone or in closeness with someone, it's a core element that your, that your beliefs and your values are, like are in alignment in some way. And, um, I think that intimacy comes from 
being willing to understand and see one another and listen and be vulnerable and share. And um, the safe space that we create around that also comes from a shared experience that we have. You know, people are not going to feel safe enough to be vulnerable if their partner is like, you know, doesn't have the same care for that vulnerability, right? So if you want to have an intimate relationship, you'll also need a partner who values um, that. And maybe they don't know how to do it well and you don't know either. And I think that's common and, and realistic, but that there is an, um, a desire, a desire to meet one another and to become intimate and vulnerable and share, truly share with one another. And I think that comes from the safety of having common goals and common um, expectations and, and common ground between one another. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we don't realize how important it is to really like your partner, you know, and that they should be your biggest fan and you should be their biggest fan. And that kind of appreciation and and gratitude for them as a human being, that's something that keeps your relationship together and creates this safe space for you to also share some of the darker aspects of your soul or, and your experience with one another. Um, so if they're not like, if you don't love your partner in a way where you're like, I love them and I like them and they're my favorite person, or I just really enjoy them, you know, um, it makes it hard to create like a container within the relationship where good things can happen even during tough times, you know? So, um, the relationships that thrive are really ones that are built on true feelings of being one another's biggest fans, biggest supporters, people when they feel cherished and valued, feel that they can, that they can share and they can, um, be open and honest. So what do you like about your partner? What are the qualities that complement yours? How do they move through life in a way that inspires you? I think liking your partner is a true marker of a healthy relationship because it opens the way and friendship, right? Because it opens the way for doing the digger, the digging, the, the, the digging deep, um, and being able to heal some of the experiences we may have had when we were younger by being able to just be ourselves today. So the last thing I want to say friends, and again, there's so much I could just talk on and on and on about this shit, but I won't. I just wanted to kind of, um, offer a few little tidbits. Um, but I've been through so many breakups. (laughs) I've been through, I've just had so many partners and I have been through so many breakups and shakeups. Um, I, I honestly can say that there really are so many more fish in the sea. Um, and, breakups can feel like a death and they definitely deserve to be honored and grieved. Um, but you really can live on past a person, you know, and this took me a long time to, to really let go of that kind of, um, those inner feelings of, of neglect that I had an abandonment that were really the root of my pain when I would break up with a partner. But I was able to meet 
a person who reflected commitment and love in a way that made me want to be in a relationship with them. Um, but when I was single, there really was no limit to how many partners I found for a, a, a date or a season or whatever it was. There were many options, even if they didn't feel like the right option, but they're teaching you something. Even those options that you don't enjoy are teaching you something very important. Um, but ultimately what they taught me is that I wasn't the right option. They taught me that when I was in a place of true reverence with myself and when I was literally just feeling so much joy and peace at the idea of being with just me for the rest of my life, um, then I could actually be the type of person that was free of my, of that abandonment and that uh, not free of it because obviously I still take good care of that part of me. Um, but it was not something that I felt any more affected my relationship, my relationships, my friendships, my, my romantic relationships or my familial relationships. And so my, uh, courtship with my partner didn't have to be a stressful, addictive one. It was an empowering meeting of two equals. And this is what I'll say to you too. You know, get into a place of true reverence with yourself, whether your relationship is healthy or unhealthy, the, 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 uh, answer is the same. The answer is to dive deep within and to really answer the call that may be coming through, maybe being triggered, uh, with your own attention and compassion and love and really surrender into that. It's not a punishment. It's such a blessing to be able to rely on oneself to be there for oneself, to feel truly loved by oneself. That is, that's a real act of, of, uh, God, I guess, if I believed in God. (laughs) Um, so much love to you guys. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I hope this was in some way helpful. Um, you know, if you feel like you need help keeping good boundaries, if you feel that you need help with trust and forgiveness or your own personal triggers, um, really work with someone directly. And again, I'm available um, to work with people. I do work with people on these themes, Uh, but there are many practitioners who are amazing uh, no matter where you are. There are such wonderful practitioners in all pockets of the world. Um, and again, many of them may just be like in your little neighborhood, your little town. Um, they're not all having podcasts and they're not all like writing in magazines and shit. There's plenty of really amazing practitioners who don't have, you know, a huge following on Instagram. So use your intuition, feel it out, find those people and allow yourself to be supported, you know, and heard and, and to be accountable to your goals and to becoming the person that is healthy in a relationship so that your relationship can function in a healthy way. This is Rebecca Conran. You can visit my website, www.rebeccaconran.com. Again, I'm offering a uh, discount off my sessions, um, 45% off till the end of the month. Um, And uh, that's linked in the show notes. It's the new rates discount. 
I have my office where I see people in person in Kingston or we can work remotely over Zoom. And I look forward to uh, hearing from you and connecting with you in the future. Lots of love.